Houston A to Z Sports Primetime from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by Drew Math Fitness in the Gulch. You guys know I love my 8 a.m. workouts at Drew Math Fitness. You can get your first workout free as a Middle Tennessee resident at TrueMathFitness.com. I'll be there at 8 a.m. I hope to see some of you guys there for your first workout. Gary Ashton and the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. Go to the Ashton team for your dream address without the stress and don't sell without the intel that only the Ashton team can provide. Superbook Sports, download the app today, plug in the promo code ATOZ, and they will match your first bet up to $250. That's the Superbook Sports app in your favorite app store, Android or Apple. So we have OTA practice uh, today to work uh, to work with, and we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of different observations to make. Um, I think that when you look at all the different things that people are interested in, the quarterbacks are always going to grab the most attention. I'm sure some of you are tired of talking about the quarterbacks. I'm sure Mike Vrabel is tired of talking about the quarterbacks, especially since none of this shit is real football at this at this point in time. So, uh, looking at what happened with Will Levis today, and you're going to hear from him, you're going to hear from Mike Vrabel. He didn't have a good day. Uh, neither him nor Malik Willis had a good day. I didn't think they were accurate. I thought their ball placement um, was not what it needed to be. I thought there was indecision from both of them. I thought that uh, I thought that there is uh, I thought that there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Ryan Tannehill's job is in no way, shape, or form in danger by any stretch of the imagination. Now, the sensible ones of you, you knew this. <laughs> like this was this was not something that was ever really in debate to start the 2023 season. Ryan Tannehill is going to be under center. If that changes at some point in 2023, then we can talk about it. But for the foreseeable future, there is no quarterback competition in Tennessee. There's Tannehill, and then there's everything else behind it. Eric Alonzo says, Buck can't wait for Malik to have a bad day. Well, I didn't have to wait. He had a bad day. So did Will Levis. I'm here to talk about them both. And I'm here to tell you, more than anything, that it's not necessarily – I, you know, I could give a shit how the two of them look this year on the practice field. I don't care. I, I mean, I care a little bit, but I don't really care. The only thing I care about, if I'm somebody who's interested in the competitiveness of this football team, is Ryan Tannehill. The rest of it doesn't matter because they can only play one quarterback at any given time, even though Todd Downing tried his best to get Malik Willis out there on the field at the same time as Tannehill. But obviously, there's some things to work through. So uh, given that we only have access to one day of practice a week at this time of year, they're on the field uh, three days a week right now. So they have had, in total, not including like, meeting days and um you know stuff where they're doing where they're just coming in and like lifting and stuff like that of practice um they only have they've only done or will have done by the end of this week nine total ota practices of the nine we have seen one third we have only seen three in total right so uh looking at the the sample size that we're out there for will levis and malik willis could have had spectacular days yesterday they could have tremendous days tomorrow. All the mistakes that we saw made today from the two of them, they could rectify by tomorrow's practice and we would have no idea, right? Because we're not out there. So I want to make sure that I preface that before we do your Two Rivers Ford take. And I'm going to get into what does a bad day consist of. I'm going to get into that here in just a second. And by the way, I'm not necessarily going to call it a bad day because I'm going to put it in the context that Mike Vrabel put it in today. And then I'll let you understand kind of why why I'm making the assessment that I am. So we'll get to that here in just a second. Let's start with your Two Rivers Ford take. 
on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch, as is the custom. You guys let me know in the comment section, how should fans process Will Levis's OTA struggles? So it's just today that we're talking about, although he wasn't he wasn't any kind of special when we were out there last week. I thought he was fine. I thought there were some some of the same inaccuracy situations that I saw today. Some of the same things that we've been talking about with him throughout the course of the the whole reason why he's a a, a difficult analysis or a difficult analysis or subject to analyze, right? Because Will Levis has these erratic tendencies, even though he puts together strings on on tape. Uh, obviously, the 2021 season in its entirety, where he looks phenomenal, and I'm sure there will be moments. Uh, at that, at you know, when we're out there for more practices, when we see him get more live reps. And by the way, he's not doing a ton of reps right now. That's also something to keep in mind. So with all of that context being said, we're not here to freak out. We're just here to talk about what we saw today, today specifically, and why it further entrenches me in my position that Ryan Tannehill is the Titans clear-cut starter, bar none. Uh, so how should fans process Will Levis's OTAs, OTA struggles? Because it was an OTA, not OTAs, plural. We'll talk about it together. You'll hear from Will Levis and Mike Vrabel right after I remind you that your Two Rivers Ford take is, of course, made possible by the beautiful people at Two Rivers Ford. Not just beautiful people, beautiful uh, cars. 2023 model year Fords, the Ford Bronco. It's a beautiful vehicle. I have I'm biased, but I think my 2022 Ford Explorer that I got from Two Rivers Ford is mwah, Chef's Kiss. I love sugar. She's a dream. All kind of all kind of great vehicles out there, new or pre-owned. If you want to custom order yours, like I did, you can select any Ford vehicle, any uh, customizable accessories in any color you want, and they will custom order it and deliver it to your door. It's like an Amazon package, except it was a car. That's how I got my Ford from Two Rivers Ford. You can shop however you want to shop at Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So how should fans process Will Levis's and Malik Willis's, by the way? This can be applicable to both of them. How should you process their struggles at this time of year? Now, I, you know, obviously you're grading on different scales, right? They're not on equal footing because one has been in an NFL, been in the NFL for a year and the other one just got here, right? And we understand that there are significant struggles to a rookie season that are abnormal compared to what the rest of their NFL careers will be for the most part um, with all the different things and all of the new experiences and all, all of it's moving very, very fast. And you've got all new teammates and you've got all new, uh, you've got all new coaches and you're in an all new place. And uh, you know, you're hoping to God that you didn't get drafted to some hellscape like green Bay, Wisconsin or something like that. Right. It's all a bit of a blur. So I think that, uh, I think that when you look at these struggles for these two young quarterbacks, um, Maserati Mac gives the correct assessment. It's OTAs, G's. Will Levis struggling. Malik Willis, I don't want to, I don't even want to call it like struggling almost seems to be too harsh a term. Now, Will Levis was clearly frustrated today. In fact, I'm going to let you hear from Will Levis first um, because he uh, hit practice ended on a botch snap. Will Levis botched the snap. He tripped, he tripped over the center's legs. He almost took his helmet off and slammed it down in frustration, but you could see him stop himself um, and then was clearly frustrated on the sideline afterwards. And that was the last play of practice today. It was Levis on the field with the threes, um, and you know they had the botched quarterback center exchange, right? And so he's frustrated, and that's completely normal. He didn't look great today. 
I think that's also completely normal. I think it's completely normal for Malik to to not look as good as you might expect a second-year player to because I think I'm grading Malik on an almost completely different curve. I'm, I have way more grace with Malik Willis than I do any other player on this roster. And I know some of you might not think that's true because I am, you know, I'm, I try to be fairly blunt about all of these guys in my analysis. Um, and, you know, and try, try to be fair in the way that I go about processing all the different things that I'm seeing alongside all the different people that I'm talking to and obviously talking to the players themselves. But, uh, I think that Malik, because he has, he had so much further to go from where he came from at Liberty that I think I have more grace for that guy than any person on this roster. It's just unfortunate for him that he was thrust in the spotlight far beyond when he was ready and he may not still be ready. It's entirely possible. We don't know how much, how much progress, truly progress he'll have made until we start to see this in preseason games. And really if he makes it to the regular season on this roster, I, I don't know that I would be able to give you an accurate assessment of Malik Willis until I see him play in like an, an actual NFL game again. It's tough. Um, so I think that the way to process these things, I, I want you to listen to Will Levis because I think Will Levis had a good attitude about this. And uh, I don't think anybody caught up with Malik today. Um, but Levis was one of the people, one of the players who we spoke to, and this was him on his mistakes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, try to compose myself a little bit. Uh, I know that, you know, i got more opportunities tomorrow and the next day, so I'm not going to beat myself up about it too much. How hard are you on yourself when you watch film of a practice to see this went well or this didn't go well? Very. I mean, I think to have high standards is uh, the name of the game. Uh, it's not it's not to beat yourself up, but it's just to give yourself motivation to go out there and to perform to the best of your ability. And uh, when you don't do that, it uh, – it puts in the back of your mind, and hopefully next time a situation like that comes up, you're able to capitalize. It seems like whenever it's time like to really let it rip, you can make all of those throws. As far as the accuracy, like that's something that may be able to get better. What are some things that, that you've done to you know try to improve on that area? I mean, just continue to work on it. I mean, this this the pre-draft uh, training that I did, I think, helped me a lot with that. I think my accuracy has improved a heck of a lot um, today. Had some inaccuracy on a couple of throws, but I mean that, that's going to happen regardless of how good you are. Um, just, just trying to eliminate those, but um, it's part of our games that you know we're never going to perfect that we can always just keep striving to get better at. But um, yeah, I mean the guys here have helped me a lot with it too, and it's not just a matter of my accuracy, but it's a matter of being a good teammate and being on the same page with all the receivers. So getting that chemistry down with everybody, knowing that they're going to be in the spots that we're expecting them to be, and when, just keep working on that. When you have the big fastball like you do. How how hard is it on some throws to have to take something off of it in order to, you know, make the touch pass that you need to sometimes? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely like the delivery can, uh, changes a little bit. Like there's times when you're in that tight pocket and you really have to be compact and um, just be whippy and and have those 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 types of just throws that just jump out. But then when you have the time and you have the rhythm, that's when you can slow it down and you can get those balls out on a more um, rhythmic pace with some with some touch on it. And I think I've definitely gotten better at that, but it's a continuation to keep working on those types of throws. So that's Will Levis. And, you know, I thought he handled it fine, right? And listen, there's a variety of different, there's a variety of different um, ways that any player can compose themselves. And by the way, I don't think him showing frustration on the practice field is wrong by any stretch of the imagination. Like if he has slammed his helmet down and been pissy about it, I wouldn't have blamed him. Is a bad play to end practice. 
and you want him to take it seriously, but you don't want him, you don't want him to get so wound tight. Any of them, Malik, Will, Tannehill, like if they make mistakes, you don't want them to get so wound up or so so tightly wound within themselves that it inhibits how well they're able to play, right? You want them to play fast. You want them to play loose. You want them to play comfortably, um, comfortable within what they're being asked to do. All of those things are applicable um, in this in this situation. Now what, um, now, what we have for – so, like, somebody asked me today, what does a bad day look like? And I'll get into that here in just a second because you have to remember that there's restrictions on what we're able to report at this time of year, and I'll explain what those restrictions are here in just a second. You're also going to hear from Mike Vrabel right after I remind you that the Primetime Show is presented by TrueMav Fitness in the Gulch. I love the workout program at TrueMav. I love the coaching staff. I love the facility at TrueMav, not just because it's convenient. I live downtown. They're conveniently, conveniently located in downtown Nashville in the Gulch. It is the best workout possible. TrueMav Fitness, whether it's the group class, classes, the personal training, just to go and use their open gym if you want to sign up for a membership option, TrueMav Fitness has it all, and they are ready to get you on your fitness journey. They helped me lose 54 pounds. Could not be more grateful for the great crew at TrueMath Fitness. Your first workout is free at TrueMathFitness.com today. Uh, so, how should fans process the? Uh, how should fans process what they are seeing or what they're not seeing? Right? You guys don't get to see OTAs other than what we put out on social media. What we are able to put out on social media is. I would say a 10th of what we actually see out there. We are even further restricted from being able to report on the rest of the 90% that we see because you can't talk about, like, I can't say, and I'm going to use a hypothetical, I'll use old players for an example. If I see Marcus Mariota hit Tajay Sharp on a, on a slant pattern and Sharp takes it for 50 yards and a score with, Who's an old corner? Parrish Cox in coverage, right? So I've used all different names. I can't tell you that if that's what I saw in the practice field, right? Because there are restrictions at this time on our reporting. And that those are those are NFL rules. It's it's not Titans rules. It's not like media rules. It's just there are restrictions on what we're allowed to say. I can say that Ryan Tannehill had a good day and Will Levis struggled. I can tell you that uh, I can tell you that there were not a lot of defensive backs out there today, but somebody who's getting plenty of work at both safety and corner is Elijah Molden. I can only tell you that Elijah Molden is working at safety because I saw it and then asked him a question about it, and because he said it, that then gives me license to tell you. Corey D. Jackson says Valentino Blake. That's not <laughs> Valentino was on the roster when I first got here. It's crazy how bad that corner. That, I mean that whole that whole team. My first year, 2015 is the worst football team I've ever seen in my life, regardless of, you know, Titans, Colts, Jags, Texans. Like, it's the worst football team I've ever seen, the 2015 Titans. Um, and the 2015 Titans, no, that was the 20, was it 16 or 17 that they beat the winless Browns without scoring a touchdown? It was a 12 to 9 overtime field goal game. Oof. Absolute br brutal. But um, I think that when, uh, I think that when you look at the, uh, I think that when you look at what defines a good day right now for the quarterbacks, what defines a bad day for the quarterbacks, what I can tell you is this: Will Levis and Malik Willis both struggled with their accuracy. 
They both struggled operationally, and that is okay. That's the thing. Like, none of this shit is stuff to freak out about. And I know that that is, you know, people are going to have opinions, and, I, you know, the opinions that are formulated at this time of year are always hyperbolic. Like, even me coming in and saying that Will Levis or Malik Willis had a bad day is hyperbolic. Do you know why? Because that's not the way the coaching staff looks at it. I asked Mike Vrabel this question within the context of like younger players and getting and trying to get them to not overthink things, right? Trying to get them relaxed, comfortable, not thinking too much because in professional sports, if you overthink, it can legitimately slow you down. It's not, you know, just like a, like a dumb jock thing. It's just, no, you are, your processing ability for what it is that you need to do needs to be at its peak. It needs to be reactionary. It needs to be instinctive. Um, and that at its peak, right, is where you see the height of professional athletes come through. So I asked Mike Vrabel about, all right, how do you get guys outside of their own heads, right? And this is what Vrabel had to say today. You know, four weeks of on-field stuff that would somehow at times uh, look like football uh, and, and really trying to stick with the installation, first, second down, add third down, work into the red zone, same thing kind of with special teams. So nothing's really going to change. I think it's just about improvement. It's about conditioning and about all those fundamentals that we're going to need to use once once we get to the season. It's probably more specific to the individual, but how do you keep young guys from overthinking things when they're out there trying to execute on the field, trying to get it as best as they can? Well, again, we've tried to talk to them and everybody around here that continue to coach the mistakes, but demand the effort, and you know, we understand the mistakes are going to happen. You just can't stand there. You know, we have to train them out of that. And, um, you know, hopefully that they're new mistakes, and that they're, they're, they're the reasons that they, they can answer why maybe the mistake came, and that, you know, or they just um, need to get it again. You know, in an installation or a walkthrough. So we just have to work through those different things and kind of take each of them uh, as they come up. You got new mistakes. New mistakes is the key word there. They want them to make mistakes at this time of year. There's no better place for them to make mistakes than on the practice field. Do you know why? Because it doesn't impact their win-loss record, doesn't impact their playoff standing, doesn't impact the coaching staff's jobs necessarily until, uh, you know, until they get, uh, until they actually do get on the, uh, get on the field. But I would say uh, more than anything that the new mistakes are fine. As long as they're making new mistakes. And you know what I saw today? And again, there are three practices that have been open out of a possible nine. So there's it's a very small sample size, literally a third of what we have access to. Uh, or what we are seeing a third of what is going on, right? So it's not the full picture, um, which is uh which is something that uh which is something that I think people lose sight of, right? We don't get to be out there every day. We don't get to tell you what's going on every day. So the one day that we do, if they have a bad day, it sucks for them because obviously we're going to talk about their bad day. So new mistakes, right? The operational situation, uh, the the tripping over the center while he's trying to uh, while he's working under center. Speaking about Levis specifically, I'm still seeing Malik Willis struggle with ball placement. That's not a new mistake, but. Whether that's something that he's seeing, maybe that's a new mistake. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the particular whatever he was doing at the line of scrimmage before they got there. Maybe he misread the route. Something happened, right? As long as it's a new mistake, 
then the coaching staff is good because then they, then I, then they can identify, okay, well, you weren't making the same mistake. One, that's good. You've learned. Two, if you're making a new mistake, what are you seeing that you, uh, that you, what do you think you're seeing that caused you to make that mistake? And better three, can you identify that mistake in real time? We're going to get into this because I'm going a little long here. So uh, I want to make sure that we uh, make sure that we let you know who the primetime show is presented by. Of course, it's presented by the great folks at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. Go to GaryAshton.com for your dream address without the stress. The Ashton team will put you in position to succeed at GaryAshton.com. Nobody has better intel. Nobody has better properties than the great folks at Gary Ashton, the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, the team that your favorite teams trust. Don't sell without the intel if you are in the market to do so uh, without the intel edge. So looking at uh, looking at the quarterback situation, any of these guys, right? It could be, uh, obviously, we're watching the quarterbacks the most. The quarter, All three quarterbacks are out there. You can't say that of every position group. Um, quarterbacks are always going to be the headline quarterbacks are the thing that most people are interested in quarterbacks are the thing that I know I'm going to get the most questions about when I do prime time, get on Twitter, host the radio show, do the six, one, five sessions podcast tomorrow, by the way, we're going to do it with, uh, we're going to do it with Rip Ryan, executive producer of Titans radio. That'd be a good time because Rhett's been talking to a lot of the undrafted guys that he thinks has a chance to make this roster. So it'd be a good time to go over what we're seeing at OTAs, and Rhett will put it in good context and also provide you some information. Um, I will say this, though, of the quarterback circumstances. One bad OTA or one, you know, rough OTA. I don't I like, I hesitate to even use the word bad, right? Because I don't think that it's bad. I think that it's good. I think that the mistakes that are being made, as long as they are able to correct them, and we don't know if they're going to be able to correct them to a degree, um, but as long as the coaching staff is seeing new mistakes the way that Mike Vrabel mentioned, I think that sloppy OTA practices or tough OTA practices or rough OTA practices, all these different things, um, I think that's fine. I think that's completely fine. Uh, Dr. Lipschitz says, I'm sick of seeing the quarterback standing around. Practice without pads should be nonstop. According to who? <laughs> what do you mean? According? Practice should be nonstop. Do you not see the condition? Again, you are using the context of what you see on video. You're not out there uh, on the practice field. You don't know the pace that they run practice. Occasionally, yes, the quarterbacks are standing and looking at something. Occasionally, there are things that are being diagnosed and explained to them by the coaching staff where they have to stand still. Occasionally, <laughs> they are in a position where they just need to pause, take a beat, and go over what the hell they just did. Of course, the idea of pad, practice without pads should be nonstop. In what world you could go around 32 NFL training camps, OTAs, or not training camps, but OTAs, look around and see a much, much, much less What's the word that I'm looking for? Intense OTA practice. Have you not heard all the new players who have been talking about how much different things are done here in Tennessee than they are anywhere else in the league? Did you not hear Arden Key at the podium today? Did you not hear Aziz Alshair talk, laugh, scoff at the idea they're doing sleds in May? Pads, practice without pads should be nonstop. I don't understand who, according to whom, for what. They don't. If they don't have pads on, what's the, I mean, they're already doing the conditioning. 
We don't have access to the conditioning. If I took a bunch of videos of their sled drills while they're doing them, one, Mike Rabel would toss my happy ass out of the bubble. But two, you would probably think that it's the worst shit you've ever seen in the world. The professional athletes are telling you it's different than Jacksonville, Arden Key says. It's different than San Francisco, according to Brunskill and I'll share. It's different than Tampa Bay, according to Sean Murphy Bunting. It's just nonsense, just complete nonsense to get out there and say practice without pads should be nonstop just because you saw one Twitter video that was 15 seconds long of quarterbacks standing around before one of them threw a pass. That's stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying that is the opinion of somebody who doesn't, who I would, I would assume knows better than I'm giving you credit for. Because, of course, that's nonsensical. Uh, Trip and Titan says, sleds in May? You need slow, snow for sleds, don't you? That's crazy. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's uh, Actually, the video hasn't come out yet. We haven't seen the podium. Oh, they've been bad about the podium videos uh, this this year. Uh, and, and I only know that because sometimes I'll go back through. I don't, I don't take, take a tape recorder around with me anymore. Maybe I should because they're not posting the videos in a timely fashion, so I can't go back and, like, literally watch the tape of the press conference that I was just in. Cause you know, just I'm sitting there, I'm asking questions, but sometimes I miss questions too. Sometimes I miss answers because trying to tweet, take a video, all these different things. Um, either way, uh, Jags got juice says Arden key is a rat. The Micah bell of the NFL. Who's Micah bell. That name sounds familiar. I feel like I should know that either way. Um, if Arden Key is a rat, then what is your organization? Because they didn't pay the rat in your words, what he's worth, assuming that Jags got juice as a Jags fan. Um, you know, it's like calling Danico Autry a rat because he took a contract offer that the Colts didn't give him. You know who gave him the contract? The Titans. Not Arden Key's fault that somebody else offered him money. It's not Arden Key's fault that he was valued more elsewhere. Um, I don't think that the Jags are a better football team without Arden Key. I think they've added a lot of better pieces and parts, but I don't think their pass rush is better uh, without Arden Key at this stage. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think that there's a, you know, but it always, uh, it always is, uh, interesting to see, um, how these things go. Uh, he, Jack Scott Jew says he said he hates the Titans. Well, sure. He played for the Jags. What, what do you want him to say? You want him to say that he likes the Colts and that he plays for the Titans? Of course not. That's nonsense. I, that's, that's just, I think, I think fan coping when, when, uh, a player leaves and somebody like Arden key who said he felt disrespected by not getting a contract offer there. Yeah. You know who, you know, what'll make you change your mind about something you hate money. You know what the answer to all your questions is money in any facet of life, professional sports, business, anything. The answer to all of your questions forever and ever. Amen. Is money. So yeah, he might hate, he might've hated that shit last year. Then they gave him $21 million. And you know what he said? I love it here. This is the perfect fit for me. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Let's talk about fanatical behavior. I don't think rising and falling is something we necessarily need to spend a bunch of time on tonight, but, uh, I do think what's the most self-loathing fan base in the NFL. That's the question that I got for you on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. So if you don't know what self-loathing is, fans who seem to be self-deprecation is different, right? Self-deprecation is making jokes about yourself to either make yourself more comfortable or make yourself seem less, I don't know, to try and put yourself in better favor with the people that you're around is to be self-deprecating. Like if I say, if I come on here and say, oh, you guys don't care what I have to say because I'm just a douchebag, right? Like that's self-deprecation. Now that might also be true because one, that's 
factually accurate. I probably am a bit of a D-bag on a regular basis. Nobody is disputing that. Neither am I. Uh, and two, sometimes you guys may not give a shit about what I have to say on that particular day. That's fine, too. There's a difference between self-deprecation and self-loathing, right? Self-loathing is infighting. I think that there is, I think that there are fan bases in the NFL that fight amongst themselves more than any other group of fans I've seen out there. So I want to know who you think the most self-loathing fan base is. Self-loathing can manifest itself in many ways, right? So let's uh, let's use an example. Lions fans. Lions fans never think they're going to win anything. Why? Because they've never won anything of consequence, ever. Like, I think they have one playoff game. They've Or they've been to a playoff game um, in the last, like, it's something obscene. It's something like 20 years uh, since the, uh, or since they've won a playoff game. It might even be longer than that. The Jets are a self-loathing fan base, right? Who is the most self-loathing fan base, though? We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime show is made possible by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app, and they will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code ATOZ. Promo code ATOZ. That's A2Z to get in on all the action. The uh, Superbook Sports app is where you can go to wager on the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final, all your favorite major sports available in the Superbook Sports app. So download the app today. Go to Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. So who's the most self-loathing fan base in the NFL, uh, according to you guys? Now, I'm assuming that the vast majority of you are Titans fans. And so you may self-nominate at that point. Um, I don't think there's, I think there's a few fan bases who fit this, uh, fit this classification. Billy Mann says the most good question. Jags got juice says Chicago. I think Chicago bears fans have been, have hated themselves almost as much as Aaron Rodgers hates, (laughs) hates them, right? There is a degree of self-loathing. Now, from my perspective, and I'm going to tell you straight up, there's no way for me to be unbiased about this opinion. And I will tell you why. The only team that I have ever covered in my professional career as a day-to-day, you know, writer, reporter, now talk show host, all these things, Titans, right? (laughs) I don't know if the Titans are the most, Titans fans, I don't know if you guys are the most self-loathing fans of all fan bases, right? Cowboys fans are crazy. Browns fans have no reason to do anything but hate themselves at this stage. The Bills have stuff like the Four Falls of Buffalo, right? Every fan base has something that they can cling to. Every team, every fan has a degree of self-loathing to them. So you could theoretically nominate all 32 teams. But the amount of infighting uh, I see with Titans fans is insane to me. Now, maybe just because I'm exposed to a lot of it, right? A lot of these, a lot of times you guys are tagging me in your arguments among yourselves or you're resp- you're fighting with each other in a tweet that I've put out or something like that or one of the Titans media members uh, is putting out. I think that a lot of these times, most of you would prob- are probably saying the same thing. You're just not reading each other's tweets and just arguing about it because you've seen buzzwords that you don't like or you're still fighting against the initial opinion. Um, it's, it's fascinating uh, to see how those things play out. Um, but I think of all the fan bases, Man, I would have to think that the Lions are up there, right? That's a loser franchise. It's uh again, it's 
a team that is mired in mediocrity. The best thing that they've had is like one uh, this past season where Dan Campbell is biting the occasional kneecap and they still don't make the playoffs. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that a lot of these, a lot of these things, um, you know, come into play and every fan base has a, has a pinpoint moment, right. Where they can cite self-loathing commanders fans, right. Commanders fans have been through a bunch of shit. It's not the same. Uh, not these situations aren't the same, but there is a lot of infighting among Titans fans. And that's always, I mean, you know, that's just been my biggest observation. I've, but, and, and it's been reinforced by people who aren't here every day. Like, and I won't name any names, but, um, friend of mine that works for ESPN and I've got a, I've got a bunch, um, friend of mine that works for ESPN does television for ESPN said that one time, they said Marcus just said the name of Marcus Mariota on television and the amount of bullshit in their mentions because there was some analysis of Marcus Mariota and Marcus Mariota is such a polarizing figure still inexplicably. I mean, we are four years, we four years, we're four years removed from Marcus Mariota being the quarterback of this team. Um, said that my friend at ESPN said that they said they said Marcus Mariota's name is a part of the analysis and immediately Titans fans attacking them <laughs> attacking them on a regular basis uh it is insane um in fact I've had it told to me by several friends of mine in national media not just at ESPN but NFL Network and other outlets the Titans fans are some of the nastiest mother bleepers that are out there just because they're gonna say mean shit to you <laughs> it's not even about like an argument. It's not even about a spirited debate. They're just going to say mean things like there, there does seem to be a personal offense that Titans fans do take um, in, in ways that I, I can't explain. I can't explain the psychology of it. I wish somebody could uh, I wish somebody could explain it to me. Jonathan Hernandez says Buck is like a babysitter trying to keep us behaving. No, in fact, I encourage you guys. Uh, to do, you know, to do uh, silly shit on the internet. It makes me laugh. Why would I try and babysit you? Now, every once in a while, uh, one of you goes, one of you is going to, you know, try and come at me. And then I just got to like whack them all. Just hit them really hit them with the hammer uh, on, on social media or something like that. And, you know, and then life keeps going on like today, <laughs> like today. What? And I, you guys know, I love you. You guys know, I don't have a career without you. Of course, this is so. So when I say this, it comes from a place of love. But today, I had the single dumbest argument posed to me by one of you guys. Uh, not necessarily one of you guys in the chat, but somebody who follows me on Twitter and was obviously reacting to some of the Titans discussion <laughs> tweeted me today um, uh, on my analysis that both Malik Willis and Will Levis did not have their best performance. And I'll read you the exact tweet. Shaky day for QBs not named Ryan Tannehill. Both Levis and Willis struggling with ball placement. Not anything inflammatory. Not anything that was, you know, out of bounds. Then I get tweets. <laughs> I get tweets like this that, again, are inexplicable to me. Jeeper is the name on Twitter. Says, I haven't forgotten Tannehill's bad ball placement versus the Bengals. To which I said, there's not a dumber argument in football right now than Titans fans having anti-Tannehill sentiment you don't have a better option this season. Get over it. Somebody then tweeted me, we aren't even looking for better. We are looking for something new. Instead of betting safe with Tannehill, swing for the fences with an offense built around a young guy. We know it says Timmy's. I assume he meant Tanny's. We know Tanny's limitations. No point in going down that road. Imagine starting a tweet 
and thinking that you're going to win an argument or thinking that you have any business in that argument with, quote, we aren't even looking for better. What? <laughs> what? Is that not, how, how do you tweet that? How do you even think that? Go to your phone, type that message out, read it before you send it, and then press send thinking, you know what, I just told him. I just, I just showed him exactly what my point was. I got, it I got it across, I got it cleanly, I got it crisply. How could anybody argue with my logic? Of course we're not trying to get better. What? That's a fundamental misunderstanding of how football teams operate. Like, I understand some fans want people to tank or some, some fans want their team to tank for Caleb Williams, right? There's, I'm sure there's a contingent of you guys that want, want, uh, want people to tank or want your team to tank because all these different things, um, you know, you're not going to, you're going to mess around. You're going to win eight or nine games. It's not going to be a great, uh, great draft pick. And then you're stuck in this cycle, right? That's, that's the argument that continues to get sent my way. And that's fine. You can think that you can think that's the best way to do business. And it's never going to happen with your NFL organization. Never. Because that's not what football teams, football coaches, football players do. None of these guys are going into a season to intentionally tank. Even the teams that were reported to be tanking that we all thought clearly and obviously were tanking like the Dolphins. That Dolphins team rattled off a bunch of wins at the end of the season. And Brian Flores was like, bleep you. I'm not tanking for shit. And then sued them. Michael M says, F that. Uh, don't want to see a tank. That's weak sauce. You people who are trying to argue with me about the future. I don't give a shit about the future. <laughs> I don't know why you do. The future, you don't, the future is not here. The 2023 season is. If you want to go about your football fandom, thinking about the future and not the season that's ahead of you and not the competitive competitiveness of the football team that is about to play in front of you, that you may pay money to go watch or may spend time on your Sundays, Thursdays, Mondays, Black Friday now, because they're going to take over every day on the calendar. All these things. Sure, basketball, you see basketball teams play young dudes all the time. Bat tanking in basketball is real. It's a hell of a lot easier to do in basketball than it is football. You know why? Because there's less players and the ball's shaped in a more normal way. And you don't have things like fumbles. <laughs> it's just... It's so, uh, it's so ridiculous, so ridiculous to be one of these people who sits there and talk, talks to me. Oh, but what about the future? That's not something in the best interest of the future. You know, I didn't give a shit about that. Mike Vrabel, he's trying to win a football game on September, what is it? September 11th, September the 12th, whenever the first game of the season is. <laughs> it is a fundamental misunderstanding of how football teams go about their business. And you, well, there may be business people who want them to tank, the football people are not in 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 with that same line of thinking. And that's how we'll leave it. It's been a very long, very long show. It's just been a bunch of me rambling, and I'm sorry for that. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. Always a great time to spend some time with you. Radio show is going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. Barrett Salee of CBS. He's down in Destin for the SEC meetings. Of course, uh, schedule changes coming in the SEC. Eight conference games, nine conference games. That's something that's being debated with Texas and Oklahoma getting ready to join the conference. Um, I think that uh, I think that it's going to be a great conversation. And obviously, uh, we're going to talk a lot more because we just talked about two players of 90 that were out there today. We'll have a lot more OTA observations and ground that we will cover tomorrow from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. Have a great rest of your evening. Uh, and uh, I will talk to you either tomorrow at 10 or tomorrow night at 8 p.m. See you guys. Well, are you surprised to hear that? <laughs> 
Certainly not. The first year we took it to the limit. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. It's been 20 years since then. We haven't been too strong in the last few years. Oh, we've been strong. We're just playing by the rules. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show.